All right, welcome in everybody to the ASN podcast. I am Dan. Uh, we do not have Peter right now, but we do have longtime NFL play-by-play broadcaster and sideline reporter Chris Myers. Chris has done a lot more than just the NFL. He's also a studio host for Fox's baseball coverage. He's covered NASCAR for Fox for more than two decades. He hosted SportsCenter and other shows uh, for ESPN in the 1990s. Uh, and he even hosts the annual Westminster Dog Show, which I think <laughs> is fascinating. Uh, but I, I do want to focus mostly on football, given we're just a few weeks away from the NFL season. Um, I know week one, they just, Fox just put it out. You'll, you'll be in my new neck of the woods here around D.C. with the, uh, the Commanders and the Jaguars week one. That's right, right? Yes, I did. And, and a little history, right? Because they were obviously the Redskins with all those successful years on the Washington football team. So we get to do the first broadcast of the Washington Commanders in, uh, in NFL history, even though it's the same organization against a Jags team, where I expect more out of Trevor Lawrence with Doug Peterson as his head coach. Obviously, there's an interesting tie in there with Carson Wentz and, and the history. So it, it's an interesting game. I mean, they all are, right? Every right. At the start of the year, every, every team has hope and great expectations. So even a team like the Jags uh, can, can have that optimism. So obviously, you, you mentioned those are two teams trying to make the leap and jump into playoff contention. Looking around the league, is there a team or two that you think is really going to maybe either surprise some people or at least make a jump from last year? Yeah, you know, uh, I think at, at this point, uh, and they were close last year, both the Dolphins and the Vikings, to me, uh, even though they have rookie head coaches, right, with uh, uh, San Francisco, coming over from uh, San Francisco, uh, and, and then obviously Kevin O'Connell coming to Minnesota from, from the Rams. Um, the name is escaping me with uh, Mike, uh, the Dolphins' new head coach. Uh, Mike McDaniel. Uh, McDaniel, thank you. Couldn't, I was thinking of Josh McDaniels with the Raiders, <laughs> but he's been a head coach. So even though those two are rookie head coaches, I, I, having seen the personnel on those teams and their quarterbacks, I think Tua Tonga-Vailoa will, will be okay, especially adding Tyreek Hill. They've added a, a, a surplus of running backs, Chase Edmonds, to go with a healthier Raheem Mostert, who uh, McDaniel had in San Francisco under under Shanahan. And that tree, you'll see that kind of offense. I think their defense is very good. So I would say Dolphins-Vikings, to me, are playoff teams, even though they both have tough teams in front of them, obviously in their divisions, right? Miami has Buffalo, Green Bay ahead of the Vikings. But I, I think those are teams that are going to make the leap into the playoffs. And, and a team that I think will win and I saw them a little bit last year they're fun they're almost like America's underdog uh, almost like the Cubs for so many the Lions have become a team that you know maybe they won't threaten for the playoffs but I think they're going to win more games than they did last year and continue to make progress under under Dan Campbell yeah I am I am fully with you on the Lions I think they built you know they you look at teams what makes teams successful I think it starts with the offensive line and if you look at them they have probably have one of the best offensive lines in the league now with the you know, Taylor Decker's coming back. Frank Ragnow is coming back. Uh, Panay Sewell is, he got better as the season went on last year. He'll be better this year. I think that the Lions are a team, especially in an NFC that's probably not as loaded, uh, yes. maybe on the offensive side of the ball as the AFC. Uh, you could see them, I, I agree with you, maybe not make the playoffs, maybe not seriously contend for the playoffs, but potentially win seven or eight games uh, if all things go right. Yeah, the, the you're right about in the trenches, the offensive line. And that's kind of represents the mentality of Dan Campbell. He's a really tight end blocker kind of, but he, 
he's brought so they don't uh, kind of a an attitude and we've sat in meetings watched some of his practices it, it, it's almost uh, you don't have to be a star player to perform well in a certain spot we saw certain guys emerge last year whether stepping in a running back or receiver Alan Ross St. Brown really emerged he talked about some of the line play I think defense obviously they're going to need some personnel and and they're younger there but they'll be better but yes uh, that's a that's a mentality that starts in the trenches a little bit of a different approach in today's day and age where it's air it out and take advantage of of the passing rules but I think that makes them a a strong steady team if if, uh, even if they don't put up a lot of points at least maybe controlling the clock or slowing down to their offenses yeah, I mean, that team competed last year. Even if even though they didn't have the personnel, they competed hard. They competed hard Absolutely. for Dan Campbell. I know you called that game, too, when they I, – I believe you called the game when they tied the Steelers. The Steelers, yes, where it ended up tied in overtime. But it, there was a question in that game of, does anybody really want to win this game? But it seemed like, I don't know, they were wearing down. They both had some injuries. and uh, But it was a terrific game to watch. It was really old-school football. That's what made right. me think of that a little bit when you mentioned the, the Lions. You know, the field was torn up. It was kind of cold and grungy. Uh, but it was uh, it was a good football game to watch. Fun fun game. I saw I saw you post earlier this week about some of the rookie quarterbacks who started to show some flashes in their preseason debuts. This might be a weird year because we might not see unless Kenny Pickett can really make a run at that starting job. We might not see a rookie start in week one. So what rookie quarterbacks do you have your eye on to maybe make an impact midseason? You know, if there's a change necessary in some places. Yeah, based on what we know now, I, I, I think they're not going to start out being the star like we saw with, with some of the, the, the higher or uh, highly anticipated quarterbacks of the past. But Pickett is one, whether it's Trubisky, however they decide that. Um, I think Malik Willis ha- has shown it in a situation where we know uh, that Tennessee has their established quarterback, and uh, but but I could see him getting some playing time. Again, there's always you know if there's an injury, that type of thing. And even Desmond Desmond Ritter, I think, is in a situation in Atlanta. It's not going to be the starter, but I, I think the ability they have to scramble around, make plays, make time. Obviously, they have to learn. And look, you're you're not going to be a successful winning quarterback for a long time if you can't throw from the pocket and just be there. Right, all those other things are nice to have. But look at what Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, look at what Super Bowl winning quarterbacks do. I mean, even Aaron Rodgers was not really a scrambler. I mean, he made he, he created things with his legs to make time. So what some of the younger quarterbacks have to do is make sure they they do that. I mean, those other things seem to come naturally for them or at least help them. Uh, but it can't can't do that like you do in the college game. You get hit a few times. That's where Russell Wilson was so good. He, he knew how to get out of bounds early followed his career from the beginning, called a lot of his games. He he was slid early. Uh, He had the right mentality. I'll get what I can. I'll make him work. Uh, But I'm not going to be foolish like we already saw with Zach Wilson. And look, he's trying to, trying to do the best he can to get a first down, but he had a needless injury. That wasn't even a, you know, a regular season game. So I, I think those were a few rookie quarterbacks that kind of kind of jumped out at me, but that's the point. It's not like when, when you know, Mahomes waited and was put in or Burrow was thrown right in. Uh, this is kind of a different year for that, but I do think they're on teams where the, if the teams struggle, then you may see those guys get an opportunity at some point during the year. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, you look at a team like the Falcons and if they're, uh, three and 10 or whatever it is after 13 games. And they know they're going to be in contention for the number one pick where they may want to take a quarterback. There's almost no reason not to give someone like Desmond Ritter a shot. You're not going to contend for a postseason spot, but you need to find out what you have in him. Uh, yeah. And Mariota, I mean, 
Yeah. And they got Mariota. And I think, you know, after that, Matt Ryan they, they made that trade because he's a similar, even though he's older or experienced, at least he can give you a chance to win to start. But he's that same kind of mobile quarterback, the risk for Jesmond Ritter. So I don't think you'd have to change that much in the offense if you're in that situ- situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's where I think Atlanta and Carolina, uh, although they have some talent because of their quarterback situation and the division they're in with, we're assuming Brady and the Bucks. Uh, and even the Saints with their defense, if there's a healthy Jameis Winston, I think those two teams are going to have trouble unless somebody really steps up big, uh, you know, competing or contending in, in the NFC South. Right. And uh, so what what player in a new destination this year? I'm thinking Russell Wilson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. Are you most intrigued about, most looking forward to watching? I know for me, I think it's Tyreek Hill with, you know, going from the Patrick Mahomes-led offense to Tua Tagovailoa, who he's, you know, Tua's had his struggles, but Tyreek has had a lot of positive things to say about him. But it's definitely a little bit of an adjustment. Which which player in a new spot are you looking forward to seeing? Yeah, that's a good that's a good thing to watch for. We thought it was quarterbacks kind of the year before. I, I I am intrigued with Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. I think he's got something left, and I think he's in a pretty good spot there with that run game, that that coaching staff, um, the receivers. You know, Mike McDaniel, his offense. They might use, and they, they have different people, like they use Debo Samuel when he was in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. But, you know, having Jalen Waddle along with Tyreek Hill, uh, I think that makes Hill even that much more exciting and explosive, that combination. But I'm going to go with Devontae Adams because I, I, I think, uh, and I'm interested to see what Green Bay does without him. I, I think Derek Carr has a guy he's comfortable with and he's had other star receivers, but really nobody quite like this, right? And, and Josh McDaniel certainly gets the offense uh, as his first year as head coach there. Even though he had a shot again with uh, with Denver. This is the second time around after having gone back to New England. But I think that could be really uh, interesting and, and fun to watch. And, and I'm going to keep an eye out on, on Carson Wentz, Washington. I, you know, I don't, we don't know how good a football team Washington is going to be in that NFC East, but that's a division where I think we got a lot of question marks about every team. I mean, that looks like still the, another weakest division when you talk about top to bottom, at least coming into the year based on how they've played. But yeah, the receivers you mentioned, Hill and Adams, to me, uh, I think beyond quarterbacks too, will be the, you know, the most fun to watch. Yeah, it's easy to forget. Wentz played pretty well last year, most of the year. He was in a good situation in Indianapolis with that offensive line. But he did play well until the the pressure started ratcheting up those last few weeks, and they they lost to to the Raiders. Uh, they lost to Jacksonville in Week 17. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see. You know, is this his last shot as a starter, or is there a chance that he can make some noise uh, in a division where maybe you could beat up on the Giants and you can take one from your former team, the, the Eagles? I think it's right. a very fascinating situation. Uh, yeah, and Wentz. I and I. Yeah, and interesting, this first game that it's against, you know, the the team Jacksonville, although the coaches are, you know, the head coach is different, but they couldn't just muster up enough. He, he played well, like you said, even in that Arizona game, they won. Uh, it was at a, a primetime special. They're in position to get to the playoffs. And then given all the, the, you know, and I know Frank Reich really they had a good relationship. So I, I, I know he felt bad that that had to happen, but it made sense for the Colts. And so once gets another chance and, and he's running out of chances. So, um, and, and, you know, they've, <clears throat> they've got some quarterbacks behind him, some people, but uh, Rivera will be patient uh, and they're going to have a good defense. I don't know that Chase Young will be ready for the opener. You hope he's healthy for Washington's defense. But yeah, the NFC East, I mean, Dallas should be, and not just because they're the Cowboys, but, you know, the, some of the talent on defense and, and Zeke Elliott, Dak Prescott. And I, I 
They just, they, they don't seem, you know, you look at penalties, how they lost that playoff game last year already in the preseason. They've had an issue. And that says to me, it's a lot of discipline. Those are things you can control and not just penalties, but more penalty, way more than a lot of teams and in certain situations. And when they had a chance at the end, not being well-schooled on, on where to go in the right situation. So Philadelphia, we're watching Jalen Hurts. That's another team that may decide on a future quarterback uh, with the draft picks they have if he doesn't step up this year. And the Giants are in a, it seems like a total rebuild with Brian Dayball, who did some great things, obviously, in Buffalo, you know, as the offensive coordinator with uh, with Josh Allen. He'll have his hands full here. I, I'm a believer, and I'm not sure why, in Daniel Jones, just because I've maybe seen some flashes. But I think at some point, you know, they don't believe it, and maybe somebody else will, and it might be better off in time for him to go to some other place. Now, I was, I, one thing I wanted to make sure to ask you uh, is about your thoughts on on this Tom Brady situation, if, if you think it's something or it's nothing. So he's gone missing from, maybe not gone missing, but he's left Buccaneers <laughs> camp twice now uh, this summer. And, you know, they, there were reports that came out that said, all right, don't worry, like this was pre-planned, uh, maybe part of his agreement to come back to the Bucs, that he was going to take some time off. I'm a, I'm a little skeptical about that for a few reasons. There, there's a, an ESPN reporter who said that he looked uh, kind of disinterested, or I think he used the word miserable in his last practice with the Bucks before he took some time and I I feel like if he was going to take some extra time this summer it wouldn't be during the middle of camp it would be toward the beginning of camp and then he rejoins the team do you think this is something are, are you would you be worried about Brady's commitment level at all given he retired for six weeks back in in February or do you think this is just no big deal yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what the issue is, but I can tell you for the years having been around Brady, uh, that, and I know it's a little unlike him in terms of his commitment. I, I don't doubt his commitment to anything. What what I would say is because maybe he's committed to more things along with football than he has before. Obviously, he has a, he has a family with children. He's got, he's got more businesses now. He is planning for that next step after football. But the fact that he did come back and and had the numbers he had last year, I mean, he had an outstanding year. It was you know, better than most most you know two thirds, three of the of the quarterbacks in the league. So. I don't I think in his view and he had kind of planned this out wanting to come to camp early settle in get his body adjusted see some of the new guys and then have this break that was prearranged so I only know this that in talking to some of the people with the Buccaneers including the new head coach Todd Bowles Bruce Arians is still there as a consultant uh, general manager Jason Light ownership uh, they trust him in this situation they wouldn't allow this or, or, or I guess have this kind of cooperation with somebody who hasn't won seven Super Bowls and doesn't take care of himself mentally and physically like Tom Brady. So they don't seem worried about the start of the regular season. And so I'll go with that at this moment. Now, we never know. I mean, there could be other things just like when Tom was retiring and then 40 days later came back. But uh, I, I think he's committed to play this year, play the best he can. I don't think there are any other health concerns or that type of thing. They said non-football. So whatever it is, it, it was pre-raised. Now, if it lingers on or there's some issue as we get into the regular season, then I think we can raise more questions or at least look for more uh, specific answers. Right. He's going to be joining uh, your team after he's done with Tampa. He's going to be joining the Fox team. That's the plan. That's I mean, that's that's got to be a pretty cool thing. You know, even though even though you won't necessarily be in the booth with him, you know, having him as a Fox broadcaster, has got to be a little bit of a treat whenever that day comes next year. Yeah. When, and yeah. We, we, you know, as a as a football fan, I'm hoping like, hey, stay on the field. You know, hey, watch the, the Boxer in primetime. They're a fun team to watch as someone who works with Fox Sports and the NFL. I'm like, hey, we're glad to have you on our team because. 
uh, I, and we don't know what kind of broadcaster he'll be, but based on the things I just said with you, we do know that Tom Brady is, is very committed, involved, whatever he does, he works hard to be the best at it. We have terrific production people at, at, at Fox Sports behind the scenes that help give us and put us in the best position, give us the best opportunity to call a game while having fun and enjoying it, call it Fox Attitude, whatever you want to call it. So yes, it was a, it was a coup by our bosses, you know, Eric Shanks, uh, certainly the Murdoch family, when Troy Aikman, who was the terrific broadcast pro after being a Hall of Fame player, moved on to Monday Night Football. Uh, Fox was looking for that next, you know, we have Greg Olson who slides in, we have some other, Daryl Johnston, some other terrific analysts, but you want, who's going to be that that Troy Aikman kind of guy? Um, and, and Tom Brady has the rings, you know, that's important that, that Fox with our analysts put on analysts who have had Super Bowl success. So it was, it was a great get, even though we have to wait a little bit to get him. And who knows? I mean, he could play you know, he's going to be 45 with the season rolling around, so he could play his turn 45. So Tom could play another year with another team. I know that was another issue that was talked about. Um, but as healthy as he is and as good as he is at the position and the need and demand, I think, for, for, for star quarterbacks in the NFL, you just mentioned the AFC's loaded. NFC, uh, you know, of the established, you got Aaron Rodgers, you know, Stafford won with the Rams, but, you know, and then there's Brady. I mean, it's kind of over there in the AFC, you've got, you know, Mahomes and this Burrow, you have this young uh, wave of guys that are that are coming. So uh, it, it is fun for us, and it's fun to watch, and, and whatever Tom wants to do, he'll do it well, and we, we wish him the best. And you've been calling games on Fox for a long time now. Is there, this time of year, a few weeks out from the season, is there – an excitement that you still feel? Is there a nervousness that you still feel this time of year? Yeah, I, I, there is an excitement. I, I mean, look, I, I say America runs on football. We, I mean, I'm a fan of other sports, baseball. You mentioned all the things. But, I mean, as a kid, and I never lost that fan, I, I would still be watching the games and looking at the schedule and doing some of the things you and I are talking about. How's this guy going to do here? What about this traffic? Or is this year another last-place team, you know, goes to first place and surprises and wins a, wins a division? And, and, and so I, I would be doing that anyway. And it's still part of the job. It, that part never gets old. And especially the rush, whether I'm doing it in the studio with talking football or actually calling the game when they kick it off. I see why players still want to play. I see why players still want to be around the game as a coach or a broadcaster because there is there's a certain kind of rush uh, that once you experience it, uh, I don't think it ever leaves you. And, you. and you're always a fan at heart, too. You just have to be impartial and, and do your job. So, yeah, I would say it's more excitement than it is uh, nervousness uh, and, and hoping, you know, uh, that, that everything else goes well so we can get to the season, especially really after the last couple of years, having dealt with the pandemic and right. rule and adjustment. I, I know how coaches and players must feel. And we as broadcasters certainly want to be back in a position where we can bring you the, you know, the best product on game day, whatever your team is, whatever game we're doing. And I I have a slogan that I've always had as a young broadcaster, every night's the Super Bowl. And I say that because I don't care which game I'm doing uh, or which sporting event to me or to the people watching. It's really it's very important or they wouldn't be there. And, and I want it to feel that way, obviously, understanding the, the circumstances of, of the broadcast. You, you took the topic right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you about that. I know I when I uh, for, you know, for anyone listening, I talked to Chris back for a school project. I don't even know if he remembers, but I talked to you for a school project uh, two years ago. And I asked you about that, that every night's the Super Bowl line, because I did <laughs> find that fascinating. And I think you have to have that mentality. You know, it, it, if you don't have that mentality, then you're just showing up and doing a job. If you have that mentality, then you, you're a fan along with uh, every other fan who's listening. And I think that makes a difference for listeners. Well, that and and I, you know, you gather having been a young teenager. I know you started in this social media area as, at a young age. I was a young teenager 
calling into a radio show as a sports fan. And through the years, I mean, when I think about the coaches and the players that I've been able to interview going back, whether it was, you know, Don Shula or Tom Landry to, to Belichick and, you know, Sean McVay to John Elway and Marino and Montana and, and Brady. Now, so and you pick up things from guys. And that, to me, Steve, you know, the common, a common thread of these guys that are successful uh, is that they do treat, you know, yeah, you have to handle certain situations uh, differently, but the overall approach is it's very important. We're going to do this. Let's do it the best way we can. Sometimes you might be down a few players or you might not feel as well, or you might, you know, whatever the cert, but you're still going to give it your best and prepare and have a system and a plan uh, to do it that way. So that's kind of, you know, and I, on some of those weekends or games or moments where the event maybe to other people isn't as big or even our crew, to me, I have to remind myself and them that, that it is. so we want it to feel that way, feel like every night's a Super Bowl. Now, I, I just purely coincidentally, what something popped up in my feed earlier on Instagram, and I actually saw later that you reposted it, and it was the highlights of that Ravens-Vikings game from 2013 that yeah. you called. Was that, was that the craziest game you've called, or <laughs> where, where does that rank among them? I've had a lot of crazy calls. I had a call with the Lions and Falcons where a game ended on we thought he had a touchdown, but then they had a clock runoff where the guy was at the goal line, couldn't get in. Uh, I mean, I uh, that but that game you're you're talking about, I believe it was Tim Ryan was with me as the analyst. It was snowing. What what stood out about that, yeah, Vikings, Ravens in Baltimore. It's snowing where you couldn't see, and this was a late in the regular season, but you couldn't see the the, the numbers on the field for the yardage markers. So we kind of had to superimpose at least our director, which did a nice job to help us spot, hey, he's to the 20, 30, because even the viewers at home, you couldn't see the, the side markers. But the, the points in the last few minutes, I mean, there was a kickoff, Cordero Patterson runs, and there's a touchdown pass from, uh, I believe it was Flacco. It's, it's kind of a blur then. But I, I had to really be, and we all had to be, on our game because it seemed like the points, everybody was scoring the minute they touched the football. So, uh, yeah, that's why you never give up on a game. That that's Coming into that game, it seemed like, yeah, it's another – you know, late season game here, these two teams, and all of a sudden it's the snow starts pouring down. Yeah, the game is slow, low, it was in a lull, and then all of a sudden in the last few minutes that happened. So, yeah, there have been quite a few fun different games. I mean, even recently we called the first uh, Bengals game of last year when they went to the Super Bowl, uh, and, and right away you saw Burrow to chase, right? It was against the, the Vikings, and, and they won on a, on a late field goal, and, and but you, you could see something special happening there. Did I think they were going to the Super Bowl? No, but I knew these guys were going to be really good. So whether it's at the beginning of the season or the end of the season, um, you got to stay on it. And, and I know they run together, but if you, if you put the tape on or, or we clip the game, I, I then I go back to that moment. I go, yeah, I remember this. I remember that. Or in the meeting, they said this. So that's what's fun about, about doing games uh, every week and every year. Right. And now what I want to close with is something that I wanted to ask you uh, from the, when I, so when I first reached out to you, to be on it, it was the day after Vince Scully died. Uh, and, we, and we mentioned him in a, in a previous episode, and I, me and Peter talked about him a little bit. But I, w I wanted to ask what kind of impact, even if you – I don't even know if you met him or not, but what kind yeah. of impact yeah. did, did Vince Scully have on – on your career well, as a broadcaster. Yeah, no, and it's a fair, and I think many of the uh, broadcasters on the business at any age, you, you met him, you valued the time to either be around him, obviously, if you watched and listened, but I had met him, uh, was around him various times, interviewed him uh, a number of times when I first did the Up Close show at ESPN yeah. in, the, in the late 90s. And as a man, as a person, I mean, what a, what a gentleman, a classy, 
uh, decent, respectful, uh, caring. So that's all there. And, and that's kind of a bonus to the broadcaster that we think we know or we knew from radio, TV or through the years, whether on his national games or calling Dodgers in my time out in L.A., uh, being at Dodger Stadium or listening to him and then talking to players through the years, whether it be Hershiser or Garvey about uh, or some of the recent Dodgers, even about the kind of broadcaster he was. And I think what stood out to me, I mean, obviously for anybody to do something that long and that successfully is is amazing. And I think he influenced a lot of broadcasts in a lot of ways, his preparation, his storytelling. He could paint a picture uh, of of, a, and of the game, if you were listening on radio, so you felt like you were right there, like he was talking to you, but he would also weave in a story and you wouldn't miss a, a pitch or, or a sense of the game and you would learn something and feel like you were even more in tune with the pitcher or the hitter or or, the, or something that happened in their family that that forced them or pushed them into an area of their of their career that, that was affecting them. So um, the compliments that, that he's been showered with, uh, I mean, we all felt that way when he was with us and, and he'll stick with us now that he's not in terms of his memory of, of the kind of broadcaster he was. So a smooth, comfortable delivery. There's a lot of ways to, to call a game, to broadcast. Uh, he did it the best because that fit his his style, which was a style people can try to imitate. But the other thing, too, is when they wanted him on the Dodger games, I realized he worked with other analysts doing football to have another analyst in the booth. I think he realized, you know what, I'm, I'm a solo act. I'm better at this. Just it was an ego. It was just like this. This has worked. This is my rhythm. And and he, he wanted to keep doing that. And he did successfully to the end. And I, I think the, the ultimate compliment, too, when you think of from Brooklyn to L.A., all the years of the Dodgers, all the success of the organization, all their superstars and players and managers through the year, popular people like Tommy Lasorda, et cetera. When you ask most Dodger, you know, who's the all time great Dodger? You know what? Uh, it's Vin Scully comes right. comes to mind first. Um, so that says as much about him as a broadcaster as a man. And I think that's a perfect way to close it. Chris Myers, I want to thank you for coming on. You're a, a, a friend of ASN on Instagram. We definitely look forward to having you on again. Uh, for anybody who wants to, to keep listening to Chris, you can hear him every, just about every single weekend during this NFL <laughs> season. You really can hear him year round between baseball, NASCAR uh, and everything in between. But the NFL season's approaching. Chris is going to be calling the Jaguars and Commanders week one. Uh, and we look forward to hearing you this season. Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me on. ASN, you guys do a great job on, on Instagram, certainly the podcast, obviously Twitter. Uh, great sports information that you research well. It's why I follow closely. So keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate Thank it very much.